Are you interested in cracking the customer code? You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business. I'm Jeannie Walters. And I'm Adam Taporic. Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together, we'll crack the customer code. Welcome to Episode 6 of Crack the Customer Code. We've got a great show for you today. First off, we are going to talk about the mobile experience and how companies are either succeeding or failing with it. Then I believe we have a very cool guest as well. We do. Tabitha Dunn is with us. She has extensive experience leading customer experience teams within large organizations. And I've actually seen her do this, and it's it's really cool the way she approaches it. I think everybody could learn from it. Very nice. And then what is next? We are going to talk about one of your favorite stores, because mm-hmm. if it was one of my favorite stores, <laughs> it would be a little weird. Sephora. <laughs> And they are doing some really cool things with like mobile and in-store and online integration. They're doing amazing things. And, you know, Adam, there are a lot of guys out there. I mean, manscaping is big right now. So I'm just saying it wouldn't be weird if it was your favorite store. You could go in there. I'm just going to (laughs) leave that laying right where it's at. (laughs) They're doing great stuff. It's really cool. Before jumping into talking about mobile, I wanted to let you know that we have an ebook coming out at 360connects.com all about micro mapping. And micro mapping is what you do when you have a certain part of the journey that you really want to look at under a microscope and see what's going on and what works and what doesn't. So it's free, it's available, 360connects.com. Very cool. I thought micro mapping was what the NSA did, but okay. <laughs> Very neat. So, Jeannie, tell me about your thoughts on mobile experience, because I know you have a lot of thoughts on that. (laughs) Well, I think it's a hot topic, right? Everybody's talking about mobile as if it's this new thing. But what I'm noticing are the really poor examples out there of organizations and industries that really need to get on this mobile bandwagon who aren't. And what I mean by that is we as customers – we're looking for something very specific when we're using our mobile phone to access websites or things like that. Some folks have really figured this out really well. Software as service does a great job on mobile for a lot of the products that are out there. Some retail is doing a really good job. Panera, uh, one of the things they do that I love is they list their daily soup. The soup of the day is on their mobile app, and it's right there when you pull it up. That's exactly the type of information somebody wants. But can we talk about who's not doing it? Doctors, doctors are not doing this. We all want to be able to schedule an appointment without calling between certain hours when nobody's there anyway, and there you have to leave a message just to make an appointment. It's ridiculous. It's archaic. It is archaic. It is like, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about, oh, yeah, we're back from, uh, you know, we were deciding whether we needed a website or not. I was like, first of all, if you could remember that far back, you are old. Hey. Sadly, I can remember that far back. But, you know, it's sort of like that with mobile now. It's almost like, you know, the ball has moved, but it's the same discussion from, like, the late 90s. Like, do we need a website? Right. Do we need to be mobile ready and need to be, you know, have a good mobile experience? And now it's becoming, you know, two years ago... It was important. Now it's becoming almost, you know, de rigueur. I mean, Google, the stats now are the mobile searches outnumber, mm-hmm. you know, desktop searches. Well, and so, if you think about what mobile is, it's not just responsive web design that you should care about if you are an organization that serves customers. You have to think about what are they doing in that moment when they're using their mobile device and how can we serve that up to them? 
local businesses who don't put a click-to-call number on their mobile homepage, that makes no sense to me. I mean, why wouldn't you want somebody to call you? Put your location right there. If somebody's looking you up on their phone, that's what they're doing. They're trying to find you. Let them find you. Sorry. Right. Hey, well, you know, we talk about customer experience and how you use customer experience as a competitive advantage, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like your, your focus, my focus. When you look at the mobile thing and you sort of take that 1998 kind of uh, framework, I mean, the people who aren't doing it at this point in most industries are at a competitive disadvantage already. I mean, they are simply behind the curve. I mean, they're going to get their butts kicked by their competition if they're not catching up. It's very, very true. Speaking of software as service, our next guest has a ton of experience in this. Tabitha and I know each other from working together when she was Managing Director of Customer Insights at Citrix. So we're excited to have Tabitha Dunn on the line with us now. Hi, Tabitha. Hi, Jeannie. Hey, Tabitha. Hi. And Tabitha, one of the things that I've witnessed and been really impressed by what you've been able to do is build a customer experience organization kind of within a really large organization when there wasn't necessarily a lot of foundation for it or buy-in, and you've really grown it into something special. So I'd love to hear about how you did that and some of the best practices that you learned around that. Well, gosh, that's been, it's kind of been a fun journey, actually. I've done that twice now um, and sort of embarking on that the third time. So the first (laughs) time that I had that chance was when I went to become the global director of customer experience for Philips, the healthcare division. And it was really looking at what they might need for customer experience. It was, again, a brand new position, just like it has been at Citrix. And a lot of it was figuring out, you know, what is the way the company operates? What are the challenges that we have with our customers? What's the customer ecosystem? Do we have a partner network? Um, because, of course, those can be very critical as part of the customer experience chain of, of everything that goes on with them. And understanding what all the, the key stakeholders across the business really feel the challenges are and what they need from a customer experience function. And although there's definitely been some similarities to the different functions I've built um, where there's overlap, such as customer listing, it's an important part. Um, mm-hmm. But there's not necessarily always been the same things in, in each function. So a great example of that might be that I have um, customer experience content and campaigns in the Citrix role, but that was not something that was really needed in the healthcare division of Philips. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's cool how you've been able to bring people into the fold and you know, you you and I can preach about this stuff a lot, <laughs> but if you, if you don't have buy-in, it's really difficult to move forward. One of the things that's interesting, especially when you talk about large organizations, you know, there's always you know instant sort of uh, executive buy-in. That's first and foremost. But what are like other institutional barriers you've found? You know, bureaucracy, any of that type of stuff, silos that are really you know make these things challenging. I would say that one of the biggest challenges is the process of people thinking customer experience either belongs to them or belongs to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's overcoming those perceptions in the sense that I think of a customer experience organization as a service to the employees. It shouldn't be where my team is, we own the customer and you can't have them kind of scenario. <laughs> um 
But there can be some of that on, on the other side, as you put it, institutionally. There could be that, well, we're customer support. We know all about the customers. We talk to them all day. You can get the same feeling from sales, for example. Well, we don't need quantitative research or net promoter score or journey mapping to tell us what the customers need. We just need those people over in product to go fix stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's really sort of overcoming that and thinking about um, what each of those stakeholders who are resistant more than just at the executive level, but all the way through down. Why are they resistant to having um, a centralized customer experience organization that's actually there to help them? And if you can figure out why they're resistant, do the same sort of root cause analysis you do for customer issues, and also figure out what is their pain point? What can you do to actually help move the needle and, and address those pain points? Then it's winning them over. But I think a lot of times people do start with that. There's executive resistance, but there's usually fear, uncertainty, and doubt um, mm-hmm. all throughout the organization. Um, and there's also probably some people who are going, oh, how did you get customer experience in your title? You know, what is that? Fiefdoms. <laughs> um, so, so there's a lot of that, you know, you have to really think about the fact that in the end, I think customer experience is really about human nature. Mm-hmm. And it's understanding human behavior and really helping people. And if they realize that you're not there to take anything away from them, you're actually there to help and actually move things along more for them, then then you can win them over one person at a time. And I think that's so important what you said about how looking at the the other executives in your organization and the people who might not necessarily give you the warm fuzzies when you first talk about having a customer experience organization within the organization, that you're looking at the root causes just like you would for a customer issue. And if more organizations did that, I think a lot more people would get what customer experience is supposed to be as well. So if there's one piece of advice that you have for somebody who's embarking on something like this, trying to transform their organization from the inside out to be more customer centric and to provide more customer insight, what piece of advice would you give somebody? I, I'm a planner. I'm sure you know that. I'm, I'm very fond of, you know, build a plan, work the plan, be flexible along the way. Right. And I feel like when you're building that plan in, in the beginning, or actually if you want to just start from wherever you're at in, in your company when you're doing this, I like to build a stakeholder map. I like to assess where all my stakeholders are at every level of the business and look at every function. And that includes even those maybe that customer experience doesn't always think that they work with like HR and facilities, which I've had great opportunities to work with them with legal, et cetera, and start in some ways I like to play with the NPS, the net promoter score system Mm -hmm. and say, um, which of these stakeholders are, are raving fans, they're promoters. And how can I utilize their support to, you know, change things in other parts of the business. And who are are my passives, my fence sitters who are just waiting to see if, you know, I'm really going to make a difference and, and move the needle. And who are the people who are, you know, adamant detractors and build a plan for each one going, oh, see, so what does it take to convince the head of our Lean Six Sigma organization that, these numbers are really real and that we can get to root cause. And this can actually help his team make a difference. And there could be some great sources for projects from this. So I think through that and go, okay, so this needs to be the plan. And you can start to see things come together. If you look at that stakeholder map of how you need to prioritize certain projects, because some things you can do sooner because it's going to move your stakeholders into that promoter category. 
I love that, Tabitha. And you, it's, you, uh, you almost circled fully back to what you said. Uh, people, how do you get customer experience in your title? Because you know how to make that map and you know how to put all these pieces together so the customer doesn't get lost in any one spot. Mm-hmm. And Tabitha, is there some place that people can find you for blogging or social media or anywhere else that they want to connect with you? Absolutely. I'm easy to find on LinkedIn, but I also, you know, you can find me at TabithaDunn.com. Excellent. Good move. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Awesome. That was Tabitha Dunn. You know, it's very cool. I know she's a client of yours, Jeannie, so Mm -hmm. appreciate you inviting her here. And one of the things I liked about what Tabitha was saying, you know, was just her whole view of putting together all the parts for a customer experience. So I thought that was really powerful. I think that's super powerful. And, you know, omni-channel is kind of what we're calling it now uh, when you're talking about retail and product and things like that. And I think I have a perfect nominee for a customer hero award. (laughs) Who is that? I love Sephora. And can I tell you, a lot of it is because of their omni-channel approach, because people like me, I'm their customer and I'm a busy person. And you know, I'm not like super into makeup. It's not one of those things that I'm I'm always buying the latest thing. I need to, I need it for very specific purposes. <laughs> We're different like that, but that's okay. I know. You you go crazy over the latest lip gloss. I know. But Sephora has really embraced this idea of how customers want to shop when they want to shop, and they do things like they have a mobile app that's been downloaded more than 2 million times now. It's really popular. Wow. And what they do is they provide very personal information on this app that you can use while shopping in the store. So it's kind of like putting showrooming on its head. Instead of fear and building a customer experience around fear that customers will find your product online and buy it that way, they're actually embracing the way people are doing this. And doing so help them grow their mobile shopping channel more than 150% from 2012 to 2013. Wow. So that's that pretty amazing. Imp- those are impressive numbers. Yeah. And they they also do things like they understand how customers want to interact with the tools that they provide, the information. So they found out that their customers really love Pinterest because they can look at things in different ways. They can get inspired with ideas. And they, they got their data so good that they could figure out that people who found them through Pinterest actually spent more money as customers than those who went through Facebook. So now they're investing a lot more in Pinterest. And it makes sense because really they're getting to know their customers on whatever channel is important to them. And I just love that. That's really neat. Now, do you know on the app, I mean, is that geofence? Because I know we talk about showrooming mm-hmm. and combating showrooming. And that's one of the things retailers are using. Now, one of the challenges has been adoption. Mm-hmm. You know, I know North Face really pushed hard on a, an, an app, but, you know, Two million downloads, that's a good start. I mean, oh, that's yeah. really powerful. And it's probably I mean, that, a lot more than that now, actually. Right. And that's where most of the retailers have had trouble is, you know, we've got the great app. You come in the store. We're going to know it. We're going to send you stuff. We're going to let you interact. We're going to give you all these features and benefits, but you got to download the app first. Right. And I think they care less about if you download the app because the app intersects with your account online. So if you have a shopping list online that you just want to update when you're in the store, you can scan something in the store and it goes to your shopping list, things like that. So they're really thinking about not just about what can you do within the parameters of this app. They're thinking about your entire end-to-end experience as a customer, which, of course, I love that they're thinking this way. 
They're thinking about in the moment, what is the app good for and how can we interact in the store that makes sense for our specific customers. And, you know, it's really, you know, when you look at it from the standpoint of corporations or retailers, this stuff brings up a whole nother layer of challenges because they're doing what they should be doing, which is focusing on the customer. Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah, and I heard, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but somebody from REI speak about this. You know, you get into some real traditional territorial issues that you have to overcome if you're going to really embrace Omnichannel because somebody goes in Sephora, they're on the app and they actually purchase it through the app. Yep. Well, that store doesn't get the sale. Right. Right. And how do you handle that? And how do you align your incentives, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that the customer comes first and that, you know, it, it becomes, you know, as they say in our industry, channel agnostic. Right. Channel agnostic and really understanding that silos, all they do is screw up the customer experience from the customer's perspective. The customer does not care about your silos. So get over it. <laughs> <laughs> get over it. I like that. And we're going to say goodbye. Thank you for listening to episode six. All right. It's episode six. We like to keep track of our episodes. And you can keep track of our episodes as well because we have more episodes online. Make sure to go there and make sure to subscribe to this podcast. For the show notes, please go to crackthecustomercode.com. And if you like this podcast, and only if you like this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.